Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sports Life. I'm Maddie the Fan. I'm your host, William Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors come up with a insanely hard fought and insanely clutch win over the New York Knicks. Um, nothing about this game was easy. Both teams really, really fought hard for it. And, uh, you know, the Raptors just barely, barely made more plays than the Knicks, winning by a score of 123 to 121 in overtime. Um, so many things to cover in this game. So many things happened in this game. I think you really got to start, though. At the end, it was one of those sort of back-and-forth affairs where neither team was able to take some sort of commanding advantage. You know, the Raptors were up for a stretch there in the in, you know early on in the game. Then the Knicks sort of came back. Then they led for a while, and the Raptors really struggled to get over the hump. And, you know, it took a bit of a push for the Raptors in the fourth quarter to even force overtime in the first place. You know, the Raptors um, really locking on defense, their starters versus the, the Knicks starters at the end of the game. The Knicks having, you know, a, a two- or three-possession lead you know you got Fred driving kicking to Scotty Barnes in the corner for three which was huge then you got Pascal bodying up Jalen Brunson on a drive uh, forcing him into a miss then you got Pascal ISO against RJ Barrett great defense there you know stays with him blocks him on the jumper as well just a phenomenal bit of um, defense from Pascal who I think had five fouls on him for the majority of the fourth quarter in overtime he ultimately fouls out in overtime but the Raptors were able to survive that um, then on offense, you had Fred with a bit of an up fake on, uh, Quentin Grimes, you know, Fred actually caught the ball up top, you know, one of those situations where you just got to make a play as a point guard. There's like five, six seconds left on the clock. Fred hits him with a jab step. Grimes doesn't bite. Then Fred hits him with the up fake shoulder fake eyes, fake everything really sells the shot. Uh, Grimes leaves his feet. Fred takes the opportunity to step through him, uh, stopping right short of the three point line and almost leaning into that three. And he was able to knock that down. That was a huge, huge play by Fred. Uh, then the next play down, Fred gets a uh, gets a screen, mid-range pull-up over Grimes. Uh, that forces the tie there for the Raptors late in the game. Uh, under two minutes there, the, the, you know, the Garden's going crazy, but, you know, Fred Van Vliet was able to sort of bring the Raptors back. Then, Fred, you know, obviously Scotty with the three, then Pascal with the defense, and it was looking good. But on the ensuing play, the Raptors end up fouling um, Emmanuel quickly, who... Uh, drove against a closeout, beat Fred for that, and then OG was late with the help, slightly late, almost on there on time, but uh, quickly draws the foul, goes to the free throw line. Now it's one of the things where it's like last minute of regulation, what play are you going to run? And, you know, I think the opposition probably thought, okay, they're going to go to Fred, especially because he had just made a driving kick for three, he had just knocked down a three, and then he knocked down a mid-range jumper. But instead, the Raptors went to uh, a lot of horns action down the stretch where Pascal would bring the ball up. Scotty would be in one elbow. Uh, Fred would be in the other elbow. And Pascal would feed the post into Scotty. Fred would then get a screen, or he would then screen for Pascal, who would cut through the lane. Uh, and then Fred would either have an option of either flaring out to catch the ball at the top for the play to be his, or he would then screen for Scotty, sort of get him. Uh, downhill facing you know uh, the basket and potentially attacking a mismatch and that's the play that they ran uh, twice to force overtime in the first place and also throughout the course of overtime but the first time they run it you know um, you know uh, Scotty gets the ball um, you know the the switches don't really fully materialize you know Pascal is not open then Fred screens for Scotty but Scotty doesn't get the mismatch but Scotty still drives into the lane draws help kicks out to uh, OG, who turns down the three, instead drives the lane, and then shovel passes back to Scotty, who stayed near the basket, uh, who caught it for the and one finish in the post, which was an absolutely huge, huge play by the Raptors. Um, and then the next time down, 
the Raptors run the same kind of action, um, except this time Scotty keeps the ball, goes out for the shot, misses the misses the little floater. Um, but you know, you know, the Raptors were able to still kick it out to Gary on the miss. Uh, Gary missed the three, and it was one of those situations like, okay, you know what, you have at least forced the tie, but you have not necessarily uh, won this game yet. You just got to come down and be solid. And for some reason, even though the shot clock was turned off and the game was tied, um, Fred Van Vliet took a foul on Jalen Brunson. He must have lost track of the count in terms of the fouls, in terms of maybe he didn't know the score in that situation. But it was a baffling foul because the Raptors didn't have one to give. Even if they had one to give, that would have been a bad one to take because you wouldn't take it so early in the backcourt. But he intentionally fouls uh, Brunson and sends Brunson to the line with the game tied. So there was a real chance for the Raptors just blow it on that kind of mistake. There's no there's no ways around that. That's just a mistake from a veteran player who had been playing excellent up to this point. But you just have to know, of all people too, your veteran point guard not knowing time and score with the foul count, it was a very strange decision. Now, it worked out for the Raptors in the sense that Brunson missed the first free throw. I think he made the second one, and the Raptors were to get the ball back. And so what play were they going to run? Um, so, again, same kind of deal, right? You had, um, you know, the Raptors coming out of the timeout. What kind of set action are you going to run? Now, what they had was uh, a double screen for Fred com- coming across the floor uh, to catch a shoe for three, a really nice screen by uh, Pascal to screen for uh, Fred's man. And Fred did get an open look for three, and it was a quick look. And it was good that it was a quick look because in that scenario, you definitely want to, because you're only down one. If you miss the shot, you could still then foul and then you know play the foul game, and you're only, you're only down three even if they make both free throws. So you want to take a quick shot. The Raptors did execute well. They did get the open three, and Fred just missed it. But it was good because they, they, they did it quick because – um, Scotty was able to then collect the rebound off the miss. He kind of flew in from the top and he was able to collect the rebound. He gets fouled. He goes to the free throw line. And it was just, um, you know, a really, really, you know, fortunate play for the Raptors in, in terms of just like you made that mistake for Fred. Then Fred missed the three. However, Scotty was able to, you know, fly in and get the rebound, which was absolutely massive. Scotty goes to the free throw line, knocks down both. Huge possession, right? But the Knicks still have the ball. So what did the Knicks do? They go into, um, you know, their two top two guys, which is obviously Brunson and Randall. Uh, the Raptors switched that, which was good. They had OG switching out on uh, on Brunson. Brunson misses a jumper, um, but underneath the basket, and there's, this is game was super super physical. Guys were sort of pushing each other around. Both teams, I think, shot like almost seventy free throws combined. Um, yes. Oh, my God, 76 free throws for the two teams. So very physical game. Um, and down low is a really great call by the, the officiating crew. But Scotty Barnes was shoved to the ground by Julius Randle uh, as the Knicks got the offensive rebound. Now, it was actually Grimes who came in to get the rebound. But still, I think, uh, obviously, that was a clear foul on Randle. They don't usually call it in those situations because there's such a you know scrum down there. But this was pretty egregious. And instead, Scotty goes to the free throw line with a chance up to, if he makes both free throws, the game is over, right? Um, or sorry, up one. If he makes both free throws, you have a chance to, at, at minimum, force overtime. Scotty makes the first free throw, misses the second free throw. And this is a scenario where the Knicks have no timeouts. So uh, RJ Barrett rips down the rebound. The Raptors are up two. And Barrett somehow is able to drive the full length of the floor, cross over, get to his preferred left hand. Uh, Scotty was guarding the play, but you know he he got shifted on the crossover, which is no big deal really, uh, because you got a guy coming full speed downhill at you. But you know you're still able to recover, and hopefully there's help at the rim. But the Raptors don't help 
on time at the rim. And R.J. Barrett's able to throw in a just a monster one-handed dunk to tie, to force overtime. The Garden's going nuts. And the Raptors, despite having a golden opportunity to just wrap it up in regulation, instead they go to overtime and, and with very little momentum. But at the same time, you still have five minutes to play. The Raptors, I think, were 0-3 in overtimes um, this season before this part. So obviously I wasn't feeling like super optimistic. But at the same time, you know, there was still a good chance there. And I think, you know, you wanted to see the Raptors at least come out of this game with something because of the fact that they had fought so hard to get in this position in the first place. And so, you know, the first minute of the play, both teams missed some shots. Um, Scotty gets the ball in the post. Uh, and, you know, this is late clock. But he gets the ball in the post. The Knicks are kind of zoning up because they had Mitchell Robinson essentially guarding nobody on ball. He was just always lurking at the basket, uh, ready to sort of block somebody, right? He was sort of playing off of Pascal. He was playing off of Scotty. Whoever was at center, Precious, like Chris, like anybody at center, Mitchell Robinson was just hanging back and, and ready to help at the rim. And so same deal here. You know, Robinson's not really guarding anyone. And the Raptors ran a really nice play. They run this play a lot. It's not even a set action so much as it's like one of their flow actions. But when you have somebody in the post uh, on one side of the floor, on the other side, you usually see the Raptors sort of having somebody pinch in, set a back screen, and so that you can open up the cross-court pass to the corner. Of course, it's a really tough pass to make, and it was an Beautiful, beautiful cross-court feed by Scotty Barnes right on the money to OJ Anobi in the corner for three. But if you notice the construction of that play, there was also a back screen by Pascal Siakam against Mitchell Robinson, pinning him so that he couldn't get out for the closeout uh, to block or at least potentially contest the three. That was also a huge play, not only because of the great pass, not only because of the great execution, but that was OJ Anobi's first three of the entire game, and it came in overtime. Huge, huge moment there. Then Fred VanVleet... Um, comes down the next play, splits the defense. You rarely see Fred split the defense, but he split the defense, and then he drove in. Now, it was kind of a bang-bang call in the sense that, like, everybody was fouling everybody on that play. You know, Fred kind of shouldered Brunson, who's trying to shouldering Fred to kind of get back into the play after getting crossed. Uh, and then Scotty Barnes, as a screener, was also rolling, but then he also stopped on a dime to sort of bump Brunson. Like, it was literally, you could have called a foul on any of those three guys. But instead, the Knicks were called for that foul. The Knicks challenged the play. We watched the replay. I was a little worried that it could be flipped, but instead, um, Scott Foster actually calls it, uh, you know, as is on the floor, unsuccessful challenge. The Knicks lose the timeout. Huge play. Next trip down, um, the Raptors run their offense. Nothing's really going there at first. Barnes is sort of in the, um, you know, pick and roll, gets into the paint, kicks out, swings it to Pascal. Pascal could have taken the three. He was open, and the, the right play might have been for him to take the three most times. However, he was just 0 for 7 from three this whole entire night. So that was not the shot for him to take. So but Pascal fakes the three, instead draws the closeout to him, takes one hard dribble, gets in the middle of the lane, and then cycles the ball back out to OG in the corner for three. Huge play because Pascal caught the pass for the catch-and-shoot three with four seconds left on the shot clock, and he had the wherewithal to know that he obviously wasn't shooting it well tonight, was able to then make a play and find OG in the corner for a way better shot, uh, and then you know still leave enough time for OG to actually shoot it without rushing. Great, great play, and the Raptors were up. But then the Knicks, again, they just never say die. Like, it was looking like the Raptors would just walk away with this in overtime. But the Knicks still don't say die. Jalen Brunson comes right back down, drops in a floater over OG. I mean, that's one of the toughest shots that you could really make as a guard in this league, trying to go one-on-one against OG full speed and just floater. The touch, ridiculous, right? Brunson obviously is super tough. Um, But then, you know, you had 
you know, the Raptors still were able to respond to that. You know, they had a really nice play against that Horns action where, you know, Barnes catches in the post, then Fred screens for Pascal. They always had a, a different couple of options in that play. And one of the options here, Fred was able to clip Pascal's man uh, as Pascal cut through the lane and Scotty was able to find Pascal for a cutting and one. That was a huge play. But then, you know, Pascal on the next play fouls out guarding RJ in isolation. Pascal did a really great job containing RJ off the dribble, stayed with him, stayed in front of him, cut him off, forced him to pick up. And RJ just did a little up fake before he went up for a shot. And that was just enough to get the angle for Pascal to sort of drop his arm slightly. And, and RJ jumps through his arms and gets the foul call. I don't like the call, but at the same time, you know, you still do need your hands straight up on that play, right? So ultimately, that's just great offense for RJ. Honestly, Pascal played amazing defense on that play. Right until the very, very last moment. Um, but sometimes, you know, great offense really gets you there. Uh, but then, you know, you had a situation again where the Knicks just wouldn't go away. The Raptors are up four. Uh, Scotty has the ball, and I'm just lavishing praise on Scotty. Everyone's sort of loving on Scotty. The, the plays he was making was just tremendous. But then uh, Julius Randle jumps the passing lane, mugs Scotty, and it was a great play. Uh, and then Randle takes it in the full length of the floor, four and, and one. Now, the Raptors. Should have done one of two things. Jack was absolutely right on this broadcast. You either had to wrap him up and force him to get out of the free throw line, which is the preferred option, um, or you just let him go and just give him the layup, right? Because the Raptors are up four with like 40 seconds left. If they had just, first off, not turned the ball over on that play, they could have just walked away. Even if they just held the ball for 24 seconds, you you could have a situation where the Knicks get the ball back with 16 seconds left down four, right? Uh, Which is obviously a great position to be in defensively. Instead, that live ball turnover happens, and not only did you give up the the turnover, not only was it a live ball, but you also give up the and one. Now, Randall makes the obviously the dunk, but he misses the free throw. However, the Raptors don't get the offensive rebound, um, and R.J. Barrett's able to follow the play with a uh, with a putback off a drive, and instead, it's a two point game with forty seconds left, and that's where it was so stressful down <laughs> right down to the very last moments. Um, but you know, the Raptors were ultimately able to hold on and protect that two point lead. They weren't able to get the shot to drop themselves to sort of clinch the game, but defensively the stand was good. Um, they gave it to Brunson out top, uh, and he couldn't make a jumper and yeah, I mean, you know, it was, it was again, like I said, much harder than it really needed to be. Um, but at the same time, I really enjoyed the way the Raptors fought and they scrapped in this game. I mean, it was one of those games where, um, you know, it wasn't like a ton of things were going right for the Raptors, but at the same time, like you, you knew that they were in the game. They were engaged. They were moving the ball well. They won the first quarter. Obviously, the Raptors have been coming out to super flat starts. You know, they lost that uh, Hawks game eighteen to two. Like they literally lost the Hawks game after three minutes, right? So you definitely didn't want to see a repeat of that. They were able to compete and scrap, and they were able to do a great job on that front. But you also at the same time, like you know, you have to give the Knicks credit. Like they, the Raptors played close to as good as they can in a lot of aspects, especially in terms of the effort and energy, which was a big talking point at practice on Sunday. Um, you know, you, you you saw none of that. Like, the Raptors were were fighting tooth and nail. There were lots of plays where the Raptors were, were scrambling on the floor. You know, two hustle plays really stood out to me. I think both from, um, you know, the first half where, you know, one where Chris Boucher blocks Obi Toppin right at the rim. This is in the second quarter. Uh, and then Precious then dives on the ball, uh, on the floor for, for the loose ball, wins the tap out to one of his teammates. Scotty throws a hit at pass to Wancho, who's, you know, leaking out on the play. Wancho 
misses the transition layup, but Chris Boucher, after blocking the shot on one end, sprinted down the floor, was as the trailer on the play, and followed up with a dunk. That's just a huge, huge hustle play by the Raptors. But you also had other hustle plays for the Raptors where even with the starters, you know, you had, you know, Scotty with the block from behind, an incredible play. You know, then he chases the loose ball, almost falling out of bounds, but he's able to keep it inbounds. But the errant pass, because he wasn't on balance, forced Fred to really, really sprint and almost, almost lose it on the sideline. Instead, Fred also sort of like really stretches out and keeps the ball inbounds, tippy toes to keep the ball and his feet inbounds, then pushes the break while doing all of that and hits it ahead, I think, to um, to Gary. Uh, who's able to knock in a corner three. So, like, that kind of hustle throughout the course of the game. But the Knicks were doing the same stuff, man. The Knicks were fighting super hard. Obviously, they had the size advantage in this game. Uh, they used it to their advantage in terms of getting the possession battle in terms of offensive rebounds. The Raptors were never going to turn the Knicks over that much, but the Knicks also weren't ever going to turn the Raptors over that much. The Knicks play a lot more conservative defense. Obviously, they had uh, Robinson drop back quite a bit. And so, you know, you had to play this game a little differently. And in terms of offense, like, overall, the, the flow of it, Fred led the Raptors in scoring with 33 points. You know, he was super instrumental in running the show, and it continues to be so in the three games he's played in New York. I think he's had 28 twice, and now he's had 33. Uh, the reason he's he's playing this matchup, and he's so, he's so important in this one, is because the Knicks play a lot of drop coverage. So if you set a really good screen at the top, whether that's with Scotty, whether that's with Pascal, whether that's with whoever, Precious, or whoever, um, the centers are usually dropped back, which means that there's a, a good amount of space for Fred to be able to shoot or even get into the mid-range and shoot from there or drive the lane and then kick out, which the Raptors also did. So I thought Fred, just in terms of his offense, was excellent in this one. Um, obviously, he also likes the matchup against a guy like Brunson, who is super tough on his own. Um, I would say Fred actually outplayed Brunson, especially looking at the box score, but over the course of the game watching it, Brunson was also super, super, super tough. Uh, and he also gave the Raptors tons of buckets. So, like, I'm I'm not going to necessarily say that it was, like, a clear-cut decision in Fred's favor, but Fred did have 33 points on uh, 10 of 23 shooting as compared to Brunson with 26 points on 11 of 29 shooting. And Fred knocked down more threes as well and got to the free throw line more and had more assists. Actually, you know what? Fred definitely outplayed Brunson. What am I saying? Um, but, yeah, you know, I think Fred was obviously huge in this matchup. Again, just based on the way the Knicks play, you got to be able to hurt them on the drop. And this is a game where Fred was considered questionable right before, right? Because he had a back issue. Um, I don't know if he practiced uh, on Sunday. Probably not if he had a sore back. Uh, obviously, he looked like he had a sore back in the Hawks game. I know a lot of people were already sort of taking that as an excuse. Whatever. People are done with Fred. I get it, right? So if you're going to find reason to dislike him, that was a great reason to dislike him based on the way that he played in the Hawks game. He definitely played that one poorly. But this one, he really, really is able to bounce back put together this great effort. And you know what? A lot of these games, you have teams who drop back on Fred, but Fred isn't able to make them pay. This wasn't one of those nights. Fred was able to really make the Knicks pay. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, even if it's just to sort of prove a point or whatever, like it was huge. Also, I thought with Fred, one one important thing was he switched on to Julius Randle a lot. The Raptors were, it was very funny watching these two teams play each other because they play entirely different defenses. The Raptors don't play a lot of drop coverage. Um, some here or there, obviously, you got to be selective. And, and to be honest, drop coverage is so universal that, you know, a lot of teams end up playing it anyway. But what the Raptors do, they, they, they really switch and try to contain a lot of the Knicks penetration. The Knicks are very insistent on getting into the lane. RJ's a slasher. Brunson's a slasher. Randall's a slasher. Like, these guys all, you know, drive the ball hard. And, of course, they hit the offensive glass hard, too, especially in a game where the Raptors had, uh, you know, smaller players. And so... um. You know, what the Raptors mostly tried to do was switch a lot of those actions. Now, a lot of that switching requires Fred switching on to, like, R.J. Barrett or switching on to, um, 
Julius Randle, and he did a great job bodying these guys up. I don't think Randle made a single bucket over Fred. Like, Randle got OG a couple times. He got a crossover for a dunk against Wancho. He got Pascal a couple times. Like, he, he got... I think Scotty probably was the second-best defender on Randle, and eventually the, the Raptors switched that matchup, especially with OG and Pascal in foul trouble. It, it made more sense for Scotty to switch onto Randle, which was a really great, very subtle move by, by, by Nick down the stretch. And it's also a great testament to Scotty's switchability on defense that he was able to go from guarding Brunson at the start of the game to then guarding Randall at the end of the game. Anyway, but but Fred had to switch onto Brun- um, Randall quite a bit, and he did a great job of keeping him in front, forcing him to tough um, jumpers. And yeah, I-, I just thought Fred played both ends of the floor excellently today. Like this is probably his best game of the season, um, and it was super needed because again the Raptors especially down the stretch there when they were sort of lacking that little extra bit of burst to sort of get themselves back in the game. It was Fred was able to knock down those two jumpers in addition to setting up Scotty for the three. Speaking of Scotty, I, I love the game he played today. Um, you know, it's so funny watching him because he's able to be both a point guard uh, for you in terms of running the show. And obviously, uh, you know, we have had tons of discussions this season about Scotty and his role in his future, blah, 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 blah. And, one of the things is like, can he be the point guard for you? And you know what? It really depends on your definition of a point guard. Obviously, he's not breaking guys down from the perimeter. But at the same time, when you look down the stretch, who was the guy who was handling the ball, making the decisions? It was Scotty Barnes. And in fact, it was really just like the Raptors running that horns action over and over and over again and running different variations out of it. But essentially trusting Scotty to make the decisions you know, out of that play because it's him who has the ball. It wasn't like Fred was curling back to get the ball and get the pass back from him and then sort of turning that into a pick and roll, which is one of those options there. Uh, it was mostly Scotty trying to attack and the Raptors setting screens for Scotty to attack uh, and then Scotty making the high-low pass to Pascal. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. You know what I mean? And, you know, obviously you would prefer for the, the you know, the, the turnover not to have happened in overtime. That sort of created this whole huge scramble at the end there where the Raptors almost lost the game again. Um but yeah, I mean, the plays were just absolutely massive. But at the same time, Scotty was also super effective playing essentially as a center in this game as well because so many plays he was able to, especially down the stretch, just fly in, grab the rebound, you know, and he had six offensive rebounds. So many of those were important putbacks and stuff like that. He's able to wrestle with Mitchell Robinson, wrestle with Julius Randle. Like, it's positionless. Like, this is like one of those games that shows you Scotty's full potential. Yes, he was able to, you know, run the show and play great defense, but he's also able to come in for chase down blocks at the rim, which were massive. He's able to get a steal here. He's able to knock down a three late in the game, even though he was turning down threes, which obviously is not his primary mode. He's able to direct the traffic, but he's also able to get to the free throw line 13 times. Super tough. Get on the offensive glass. There wasn't a play in this entire game that Scotty Barnes didn't make. You know what I mean? Like he made a play for a point guard. He made a play for a shooting guard. He played he made a play for a small forward, as a power forward, as a center. This guy can just really do it all. And that's the talent level where we're talking about, where it's just like he can do all these things. And especially, you know, small things like small things in terms of just switching a defensive assignment, but very important things towards winning this game. Because let's say you had OG or Pascal guarding Randall at the end there with five fouls. Randall's probably going to get to his spots and score no matter how good the Raptors are are covering him because he's hyper aggressive and the Raptors, you know, obviously you can't have one of your two big wings foul out in that important moment, you know, and, and you instead you were able to just mitigate all that by switching the assignments and putting Scotty on him again. The, the talent level there is just obscene. Of course, that pass in overtime was just excellent. I mean, just a great game from Scotty overall. 
And especially against an opponent, against the Knicks, where Scotty, I think in the last previous games against the Knicks, maybe only made three total baskets. I think he was two of 10 against the Knicks when the Raptors went into MSG and beat them the first time. That was with Pascal scoring 52. And then the next game, right after Christmas, uh, Fred had a great game, but everyone else really struggled. I think Scotty was like one of 10 or something like that. Wasn't impacting the game. This game, he was everywhere. And just with pure energy, finding ways to contribute, setting screens, but also scoring as a pick and roll ball handler. You know, I'm just, I'm, it's one of those games that really reaffirms your faith in him as a prospect. When you see someone so young being able to play all the positions and do it really well, like it's, it's truly very special, but honestly, it was a great team effort. Like Gary Trent knocked out a a whole bunch of threes early in the game. I think he had three threes in the first quarter. Um, You know, I I faded as the game went on, to be honest. uh, But also the action didn't really flow his way. Didn't force too many shots as well, which was, which was good. Um, defensively was solid enough. Obviously, the Raptors kept them on Grimes, kept them out of the play. Um, but even on a couple of possessions where he was switching on a Brunson because the Raptors were doing a ton of switching, I thought he did his, you know, a decent job. You know, Pascal, the only thing is he couldn't knock down the outside shot, which is pretty important. I mean, the fact that he's 0 of 7 from 3 is, is, is nasty to look at sometimes. And a lot of those were, like, really hierarchy and really short. Uh, and so, you know, um, maybe there's just something there. And he ends up fouling out. But his defense on the stretch, the mono-mono defense against Brunson, against R.J. Barrett, wow, five fouls, just excellent stuff. Ultimately, he fouls out because, you know, it's going to happen to you eventually. And also, just a really good move by R.J. But Pascal was excellent in this game, drove the lane, attacked hard, you know. Um, and, yeah, I mean, in terms of making the extra passes, you know, that's also um, something you definitely need to see from him. Even if he's not scoring well, he's still able to contribute in terms of it, with his playmaking. Nine assists in this game with only one turnover, and this is with three, four guys on him consistently. Um, you know, in these kind of games, you're seeing, like, Robinson sort of really drop back and hang at the rim and take away a lot of what Pascal can do. One-on-one jumpers, we, we see some of that stuff, but also at the same time, what's really great about Pascal is he's able to, touch the paint better than anyone else on the Raptors, touch the paint, and then kick out and make the next pass. And he did that so many times today. That extra pass to OG with only four seconds left in overtime where he's able to make a play, attack the closeout, and then swing over to OG. Just beautiful stuff that Pascal wasn't doing in previous seasons. Shows the maturation in this game. And, yeah, I mean, he played super tough. and won some tough rebounds as well. Um, just great stuff from Pascal, man. And then OG, honestly, look, it was a tough game from OG from, for most of it. You wanted to see him guard Randall better. I think Randall has really been a problem in all these games. So you definitely want to see a better defensive effort. I know OG has what it takes to guard Randall. Randall is super aggressive, super physical, but OG has a match for physicality. Like, I, I think that it's one of those things where it's just the, the edge goes to the offensive player when they're both equally physical. But I think OG can do a better job in this matchup, and hopefully he does when the Raptors play the Knicks again in the coming weeks. But, um, yeah, I just thought OG wasn't super involved in the offense. You know, took a couple of shots out of turn in the offense as well, which I actually like, which I actually uh, dislike. Uh, it's it's a, a bit of a bad habit from him, not in the sense that he shouldn't have the ability to take shots, but at the same time, when the offense is flowing well and you check into the game and then you take the immediate first shot, it's just kind of one of those things that's like, yo, listen, like continue to play in the flow, like go through what works, right? Don't force the action to you. And of course, when the plays were set up for OG, though, like with Scotty finding him in the corner for a three or with the cross court pass, like when Pascal made the extra play to, to find OG for a pass, he was able to knock those down. He also made some incredible uh, blocks down the stretch there as well. Three steals, two blocks for OG Anobi on five fouls, even though he didn't score much. Obviously, we know his defense is there. And, of course, with OG, it's also like, you know, in crunch time, you can trust him to come up with something. 
And then, yeah, in terms of your bench, I mean, look, listen, both benches don't have, like, a huge contributor. I think quickly was able to come in and make a couple of plays, but it didn't really feel like he was actually, you know, just purely a positive, mostly because he was giving a lot of that back defensively. Made five fouls in 21 minutes. The Raptors were able to really go at quickly. The Knicks are actually quite big, especially the way they start. Robinson, obviously, is the biggest guy in the building. Uh, But then even with Randall at power forward and R.J. Barrett at the three and Grimes, who's a pretty physical two, like, you know, you just feel their presence. And, of course, they bring in a lot of bigs off the bench. Now, the thing is, the, the Raptors do the same thing. Like, the Raptors and Knicks kind of mirror images of each other at the moment. But they were able to do that as well. And I thought, you know, Nick actually did something here where he changed up the rotation. He's been playing Christian Coloco and Malachi Flynn a decent amount, especially over the last two weeks. He axed them from the rotation. Instead, he moved to a four-man uh, bench, which really was just like a three-man bench because Malachi only played three minutes, and I don't even remember when. I think in the second half, he got in a couple of shifts, but... Ultimately, it was Wancho who came in, and then Chris Boucher and Precious Achua was able to really come in. And what this really did was allow the Raptors to really lean into their all-six nine lineups. We saw tons of lineups where it was Chris, Precious, and then Pascal, OG, you know, Scotty. Maybe Gary going to mix in there a little bit, but they had that sort of switchability, and they played that zone defense again where they're able to really you know, lock down the paint and win defensive rebounds. And that's where the Knicks actually went super cold from three was in the start of the second quarter. That allowed the Raptors to build up a lead. Unfortunately, as the game went on, you know, the, the Raptors um, weren't as successful with that coverage, quickly was able to get free a couple of times. You know, the Knicks were also able to hit the offensive glass throughout. And so Raptors didn't play as much zone um, down the stretch. But at the same time, you know, the bench was able to give you something. This game actually reminded me a lot of a lot of games last season where the Raptors played super tough, went into overtime. Obviously, that Miami game stood out with, with the fact that they had three overtimes. But kind of the same formula, right? You ride your starters super uh, heavy, right? Every single Raptor starter played 40-plus minutes in the first half of a back-to-back. Now, of course, overtime really factors into this. But still, a lot of these guys would have played 40 even without overtime. Like, Pascal played 46 minutes. He would have played and he would have played more if he didn't foul out. You know, Scotty played 45. You know, Fred played 45. So these guys would have played 40, you know, even without the overtime period. But at the same time, like, this is the formula that worked last year. You have these guys, you 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 you, you get double-digit scoring for all your starters. Um, obviously, they can all guard as well. And then, of course, you get supplementary um, baskets from a Chris Boucher who's able to cut behind and make some hustle plays. Precious Achua, kind of same deal, was really able to sort of control the offensive glass. Our defensive glass, and yeah, you know, it, it's just it's a tough game, it's a really hard fought. Um, and the Raptors, look, you we've we've basically already made a decision in terms of just like I think for a lot of people in the fan base, it's just like, um, you know, we've kind of decided that like this season just may not happen and that we might move away from parts of this core and you might move some pieces but I think for the Raptors themselves and maybe they've also decided that as well but if they play this hard and they scrap and they at least show something to the front office at least that can maybe change their mind maybe last second but at the, at the minimum it's just like and I keep saying this line and I keep going back to this idea but as a consumer of this product as people who come pay money to watch this game and I saw lots of Raptor fans in New York as well no surprise obviously tons of Torontonians in New York um when people watch this game on TV, people listen on the radio, whatever, consume all the post-game coverage, you just want to see the Raptors play hard. More than anything else, you want to see the Raptors play hard. Whether they move to a rebuild or not, the idea is that, like, you need to have that culture of, like, really having an identity of what Toronto's about. And what, why do the Knicks have a successful record this year? I mean, it's not just they, they obviously added a really nice player in Jalen Brunson through free agency, which the Raptors obviously can't really do that. That avenue's not available to them um, historically. But 
what the Knicks have been able to do is just rally around this identity. They play super hard. They play they play through their two guys. It's not necessarily pretty, but they just go after it time and time again. They are relentless in their identity. And every single player that steps on the court for New York plays super hard, right? This is a very classic Tom Thibodeau team. Well, guess what? We can have a Nick Thibodeau team. This is what the Raptors did last season was what the Knicks are right now, right? And, you know, honestly, when you look across the board, there is a lot of similarities. Now, of course, the difference between Nick and, and Tom Thibodeau uh, is is how they arrange their defenses. Tom is much more conservative, much more drop back, cover the paint. Nick is also about cover the paint as well, but he's a lot more like switching, you know, doubling, you know, rotating, all that kind of stuff. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, the Raptors could get similar results. Now, of course, if you want to aspire to greater results than that, I totally get it. But that's where you have the upside of a guy like Scotty Barnes, who you see the potential that he has right now. And you imagine sort of as he continues to add more and more skill sets, when he learns to literally play all five positions, how well he can do in this type of offense or this type of defense, um, you know, and hopefully you still have other shooters around, other guys who can sort of complement that style. But, you know, you have an upside in terms of the growth there. You see Pascal Siakam continue to grow his game. And even though he didn't shoot the ball well tonight, still found a way to impact the game, 20 points on 7 of 19 shooting, but 9 assists and 8 rebounds, and, and how fought hard he fought defensively, 3 blocks as well, you know, there is upside on the roster in terms of guys who could still have more room to grow, right? If you look at a guy like Precious, I think he could have had a bigger role in this game. Uh, you know, in a future context, if some of the starters are moved, Precious probably moves into the starting lineup. If he's able to knock down threes and bring the physicality that he brings as a center, he cut off Randall on a couple of plays as well. You know, there's potential there. But ultimately, that potential means nothing. And really, what you you need as a crucial ingredient in all of this is not just the talent, but how far and, and how much they were are willing to fight and scrap and that effort. And that effort today was awesome. Like that, that there was so much talk about effort in the Nick nurse press conference on Sunday that he literally walked off and I get it right. Asking five questions about the same thing will probably set him off as well. But at the same time, it's just like sometimes the Raptors don't come out with that punch. And today they did. And they looked awesome. And you know what? I'm entertained more than anything else. I'm entertained, right? Forget all the tanking stuff for now. It's just like right now, clearly the front office isn't going to make a trade a month before the trade deadline. It's probably going to happen much closer to February 9th, if not on the date itself. And who knows? Some of these guys might already be out the door, but while you put on the Raptors uniform and no matter who puts on the Raptors uniform, play hard, play defense, scrap the way the Raptors scrap tonight. And I won't complain. Whatever direction they go, as long as they play hard, I don't think anyone can have any complaints. So great game. I, I, great game for an afternoon game. Um, and uh, yeah, to wrap up the show, I'm going to hand out your three stars. I'm going to give Scotty the first stars. 26 points, seven rebounds, four assists, a steal, two blocks. It's definitely between him and Fred in terms of who played the very best. Um, you know, I, I thought, I mean, honestly, you can go either way with this. But the fact that Fred made that foul at the end there, I just couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe it. That was almost J.R. Smith-esque. But at the same time, Fred made tons of plays. But Scotty Barnes made more plays in overtime. Um, knocks down some key free throws, missed one as well. But again, you know, whatever. Ultimately, I think the Raptors putting the ball in Scotty's hands. Great job to Nick for doing that. He and running those set actions, it really helped the Raptors get something out of their half court offense. Which in a game like this, you just needed something, especially down the stretch. You, what you didn't want to see is done one of those overtimes, like when the Raptors played Philly and lost, um, where the Raptors got like two points in overtime. Like instead, the Raptors were able to generate quite a few buckets in overtime, thirteen points for Toronto. So Scotty's going to get your first start. I mean, he just made so many plays again. I, I'm just gushing over this, but he played all five positions. Well, and he played all five positions at some point, 26 points, seven rebounds, four assists, a steal, two blocks, eight of 16 shooting with uh, 13 trips to the free throw line, knocked down a three as well. Fred Van Vliet's your second star, really your one, a one B 
Fred with 33 points, five rebounds, eight assists, two steals, two blocks, only one turnover, uh, 10 of 23 from the field, which includes five threes. Perfect 8 of 8 from the free throw line. It's just so many smart reads. Again, like when the Knicks were in the bonus, Fred was able to turn the corner and just force the action a little bit, draw the bump, get to the free throw line, especially the way that this game was getting called. It was super physical, but at the same time, the refs were rewarding drives to the rim. And so Fred was able to capitalize off of that. Late jumpers to make it, but even throughout the course of the game, making the next play, setting up Scotty, you know, for, for corner three, setting up Scotty for an and one cut, all this other stuff. You just... One of, this is probably Fred's best game of the season. And then defensively, too. I mean, that's the part that was super tough. Watching him battle against a guy like Randall in the post, when even bigger players, even bigger, stronger players were not able to handle Randall, Fred actually did the best job on Randall, which, I mean, yeah, says a lot, really. And then uh, in terms of your your third star, um, definitely can make it, give it to OG with some of the clutch plays that he made. Um but I think I'm going to give it to Pascal. I love the one-on-one defense. I love the extra passes that he was making. Um, you know, obviously you wanted to see him catch and shoot for three better. It was just strange. Every single shot was super high and super short. And so maybe he just needs to spend a little bit more time on that Noah system and, and sort of, you know, I, I don't even know, to be honest. Maybe he just wasn't catching the ball well or something. You know, like it was out of character. I, I'm not saying that Pascal's a knockdown three-point shooter, but it, it's weird to see him miss like that. Um, but he's still able to make tons of other plays, super engaged, was just willing to play the team concept, played a team high 46 minutes too before fouling out. Yeah, it was, it was, he was, he was massive in this game and you needed him to be plus nine as well in his 46 minutes. Uh, in terms of your Gerald Henderson award winner, got to give it to RJ Barrett. I mean, he's just coming off of injury. wasn't able to knock down threes, but so tough going to the basket. Uh, 11 free throws, obviously that driving dunk to force overtime, but just so many, so many tough plays fouled Pascal out as well. Decent defensively, you know, wasn't excellent, but just decent, which is probably what you would expect from a younger player like RJ. But yeah, offensively, man, he's just relentless. He fits the style really well. Him having to guard him, Brunson and Randall driving the rim with Mitchell Robinson crashing the offensive glass. It's just annoying. Like the physicality of this game was such a challenge, but the Raptors took it well. And they're going to need to get in the ice tub and then get in the flight because they might need to get the ice tub into the flight because now they're going to go to Milwaukee and play Giannis. So you're going to expect even more of this physicality coming up. But uh, for now, at least the Raptors were able to win. So thanks everyone for listening. Uh, continue to rate, review, subscribe to the show. Obviously, there'll be another Raptors show tomorrow afternoon. Going to have Blake Murphy on, and we're going to chat about you know the direction of the team and obviously recap this game a little bit more, having watched it a second time. And then, of course, we're going to have another Raptors reaction podcast when the Raptors play in Milwaukee tomorrow night. But for now, really gritty win. For the Raptors, I'm happy they sort of fought like this, and hopefully you just see this fight on a more consistent basis. So, um, yeah, rate, review, subscribe once again, and uh, check back in tomorrow.